Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Just a couple of other quick things that I want to mention. We have some exciting things happening this month, and I'll be very quick with them. We have a Christian concert on the 17th. That's Philip Craigs and Dean. We encourage you to be a part of that. It'll be at Parkway. Please purchase your tickets and support our food pantry. Also want to remind you that Brother Green will be with us. He'll be with us the 13th and 14th, which are a Wednesday and Thursday, and on Sunday the 17th, and you won't want to miss him. Thank you for praying, for fasting, and for inviting your friends. This coming Wednesday will be the first night of a series of Bible studies on Joseph's low points. For the next several weeks, we will be talking about the struggles of Joseph, what he went through, and he is a shadow and type of Jesus in the New Testament. And this week, our subject will be facing loss, Joseph facing his losses. And we will be, all of us, able to relate to the low points of Joseph's life. So I encourage you to be here on Wednesday night and bring your friends. Also, our men's breakfast will be next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. I encourage all of our men to be there. Bring your friends. We'll have a great breakfast and a great time together. And then there's one last thing I want to mention, and that is um, our leadership meeting had to be changed uh, because we wanted to accommodate Brother Green. Brother Green is going to be with us on Saturday the 16th to speak to our leaders Brother Michael Kiley is requesting your dates, but that will be at 10 o'clock. It's in your bulletin, and we hope you'll be a part of that. Because of that change that we made to accommodate Brother Green, we messed up some of the needs of our widows and ladies that don't have a husband to take care of some work. So I am aware of Sister Un's need, and we've got some yard work to do. And look at the day the Lord has given us. It's a beautiful day. Now, if a few of you men would like to join me, we can meet here at the church at 2 o'clock or you can be at Sister Unz's at 2 o'clock and and we can get her done in a couple hours. So, anybody got the time to give two hours to a widow woman? Otherwise, I'm going to be raking leaves by myself and doing all that. Pardon me? We can do it without you if you just give us a list. We'll get her done. All right, if you can make it great, we would appreciate your help. For in so much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren or sistren, you've done it unto me. Amen? Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're so glad for all of our visitors that are here today. God bless you for being here. Thank you for listening to God. You are not here by accident. And the worship service, they didn't know what I was going to preach, and you're going to think that I'm preaching off of the worship service. But God's going to speak to us today. Amen. John chapter 4, verse number 13. Jesus and the woman at the well. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again, 
But whosoever drinketh of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject today. When my something becomes a someone. When my something becomes a someone. God bless you, you may be seated. We are all born with a hole in our soul. Something is missing in our lives. When God created us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I get an amen? amen. To think what the members of your body can do, no scientist, no doctor could ever create an eye. They couldn't create a heart. They couldn't give you the ability to hear with an ear. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But, but, God left one empty spot inside of you. And we call that your soul. It's the constitution of your body, your spirit, your character, all the things that won't show up on a microscope or an x-ray. It's a soul. And that soul is gonna live throughout eternity. But while we are in this life, there's an emptiness and a restlessness that we are all born with because of this hole in our soul. This woman came to a well one day and had a conversation with Jesus. If you read the whole account, she had five husbands and she was shacked up with a guy that wasn't her husband. She was going after number six. She couldn't find somebody that could satisfy her or she was unable to satisfy somebody else. She was looking for something when she came to a well that day. She was looking for simple water to quench her thirst. But God is not here to give you a something. He's here to present himself as a someone. That's what's missing in your life. Jesus Christ is what's missing in our lives today. Let's take a look at John chapter nine. John chapter nine talks about a blind man. John nine and one says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him saying, master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Sometimes we think that when people are sick, they've sinned. Well, why is this? Is there something wrong in the couple's relationship? That's not always the case. Look at what Jesus said. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. The works of God should be manifest in him. He's been set up. He's been prepared. He's been born blind, but this is the day that he is going to cease to be blind. He's been set up 
by God. Do you know God allows some things to be set up in your life so that he can prove himself strong? That he, so that he can show off his glory? So that he can do something that no doctor can do? God loves to hear these terms. There's nothing more we can do for you, sir. You have a terminal this or a terminal that. And you know what God does? He smiles. You know what? When I do this, they can't steal my glory. It will be obvious that I'm the only one, not the thing that they sought. And then he said in verse four, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh and no man can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation is sent. And he went, went his way therefore and washed. And he came seeing. He was looking for something, even in his blindness, but he found a someone. And when his eyes were opened, his life was changed. Do you know that we're all born blind? Let me preach to you today. I, I, let me just share this with you. We're all born blind. The God, with a small g, the scripture said, of this world hath blinded them. We're blinded. We're looking for something in the dark that will satisfy our soul, something that will make us happy, something that will bring us happiness or joy or contentment. And we can't find it because we're blind and we're looking in the wrong spots. But this man, when he encountered Jesus, spitting in the dirt, putting it in his eyes, telling him to go wash. When he does what he's told to, oh, somebody preach with me today. When he does what he's told to do, he can see. He is miraculously healed. He found a someone. He didn't, he was not a theologian. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests all question him. They're putting Jesus down. Why do people put Jesus down after all the good that he's done? He's never ever caused anyone to be blind. He's never given cancer to anybody. But yet he heals people of these diseases. He pays the supreme price by taking the scourging prior to Calvary for our healing. Why would we not praise someone that does so much for us instead of critique him and say, well, we think he's a sinner. We think he casts out devils by the devil. We think he's a glutton. We think he's a drinker. Listen to the answer of this man who has only received his sight and no home Bible studies, no theological background in his life. Listen to his answer to them. 25 of the same chapter, whether he's a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I can see. That's all I know. And I want you to know something, folks. 
People might come after you and say, well, I want to argue with you about doctrine. I, I want to debate you on the oneness or I want to debate you on the new birth experience. Let me tell you this. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. So let me tell you this. I once had a marriage that was on the rocks, but someone came into our marriage and into our lives and changed us and thereby changed our marriage. Now we've been married 43 years and we're very, very happily married. You wanna debate about him being the second person in the Trinity or God manifest in the flesh? Maybe I don't have all the answers, but let me tell you this, I once had cancer and I don't have it anymore and you can ask the doctor. I once had a foul mouth. It seemed like every other word was a curse word. But now I praise him. I don't take his name in vain. Now I lift his name in praise. You don't know. Nobody can ever take away your testimony because we are not looking for a thing. We are looking for a one. Don't look for a thing, look for a one. We are all born with a hunger and a thirst. Even the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Filled, yeah, how are they gonna be filled? Well, take a look at John 6 and 48. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When you eat the word and it becomes a part of you, it satisfies your hunger. Listen to what he said about uh, thirst, John 7 and 37. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's the same thing he talked about to the woman at the well. God puts the well in you. What is the well? But this spake he of the spirit, the next verse, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we've got a well. All is well with my soul. We've got a well inside of us. It's living water. So if you're hungry or if you're thirsty, you don't need to go to something, you need to go to someone. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to the bar. Why? Because I'm thirsty. You wanna go for a walk in the morning and not be concerned about traffic or go anywhere? Go on a Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are the least crowded because everybody was doing something on Saturday night. But the body of Christ is going to someone on Sunday morning and they're not hung over and their liver is intact and their mind is intact. 
We don't, ha- we don't hit anybody with cars from drinking. Right? We're looking. See, the word of God feeds us and the spirit of God fills us. See, the word of God feeds us. He said he's the bread of life, right? And the spirit of God fills us. Watch this. The first time that the spirit was poured out, I just read to you from John 7, 39. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all Something was missing. Prior to this, they were not filled. They were not full. But now they are filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were so full of the Spirit of God that it came out of them. Bible says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, it comes out of us and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And if you continue to read in this chapter, these people that speak all these other languages say, how can you speak languages that you haven't learned? Because we hear you speaking about the wonderful works of God. That's what they were speaking because they were filled with God because they now had a someone and they didn't have to look for a something. Hmm. See, when you're filled with something, you splash all over everybody else. A glass that's full and you keep trying to put it in, it's gonna be all over the place, right? That's the way we need to be with the spirit of God. I don't wanna taste, I wanna be full. Can you say amen? And you know when you go to lunch today, you're gonna eat and you're gonna drink and you're gonna do it until you're full. Why shouldn't we have that kind of an attitude when we come to the house of God? Oh, maybe I'll just take an hors d'oeuvre. Maybe I'll just take a sample. Maybe I'll just, oh, you know, the scripture does say, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know why it says that? Because once you start tasting, you won't be able to put it down. You'll want it all the more. Man, when I go to the gas station, I want a full tank of gas. Can I have 50 cents worth, please? (laughs) Say, do you sell quick trip cards for a buck? No, we don't sell quick trip cards for a buck in our script program. Why not get the full? Why not get the full? The something that we seek can even lead us into sin. And that's tragic. Our temptations can become our addictions when we yield to them time after time after time. Sin writes checks that it can't cash. It makes promises it can't fulfill. Sin is pleasurable. Now don't get mad at me. Sin is pleasurable. 
but it's temporal. There's a gratification that comes from sin. There's a buzz that comes from sin, but there's a price. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and 24 and 25. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So sin does have pleasure, but it's only for a season. The things that we can become addicted to, the things that we have been warned of, not only from the church, not only from the word of God, even, even the surgeon general. They put labels on things. They put laws on things. They say, now, if you're not 21, you can't drink. Well, at 21, is drinking good for me? This is adult material. This is for viewing for adults only, mature audiences. Can I sit down with Jesus and watch this? You know, if you smoke a few cigarettes, it'll calm down your nerves. If you smoke a joint, it'll make you more passive. If you take drugs, it'll give you a high. If you go to a bar, everybody will know your name and you can drink away your sorrows. Sin has its temptations and then it has its addictions. And even in the temptations, you will pay. Everybody bows down the drinks. Did you know that? They bow down to a porcelain goddess. On their knees, they hold the tank. Isn't that great? Takes your money, leaves you in the bathroom, gives you a headache. Why would you want to do that? Because you're looking for something. Something that will make you happy or cause you to escape reality. You are making a big mistake. You should be looking for someone, not something. I'm here today to tell you that Jesus has everything you need. Everything you need. Watch this, Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, how many of you are worried about our government? How many of you are worried about our president? You're a, you know, we're all just stressed out about all this Obamacare and the government shutting down and the economy being so poor. Wait, wait, wait a minute. A king is greater than a president. And the scripture said, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it says, and the government shall be upon his, it doesn't even say shoulders. He's so big, one shoulder will do. The government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. You looking for these things? They're not things, they're a one. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You're looking for a someone. 
Stop looking for a something. A someone. Listen, you know, you know what we really need? We need more counselors and we need more doctors and we need more psychiatrists. But I want you to know we've already got a counselor. I don't want you to take this wrong, okay? I know, I know I have a responsibility and a role, but before you ever come to me, you ought to go to him. I, I can't heal you. I can't save you. I, I can't change you. I can't. I can only direct you to one who can. I can show you in the word, I can, I can pray with you, but you need to understand that if you lack peace, he's the prince. If you need counseling, he's the counselor. If you need a father, I never had a father, I never had anybody that loved me and cared for me. He's the everlasting father. Everybody's got a father. You're looking for something when you should be looking for someone. And take a look at this. Psalm 16 and 11. Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures, not temporary pleasures, not seasonal pleasures, but pleasures forevermore. Now I'm gonna be really bold with you today. Even religion can be something You know, I'm just gonna share this with you. When, when I was 22 years of age and had made lots and lots of mistakes in my life, I went to God because he was my last alternative. Nobody else was helping me. Nobody else had time for me. And if I couldn't pay him, they weren't willing to listen. So I knelt down by my bed and I said, if there is a God, I had stopped going to church for four years. If there is a God and if this God will help me, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. I was willing to play, let's make a deal. So I went to God because I wanted to make a deal with him. Any of you done that? And I was hoping that he'd work things out for me. Sure enough, things started working out. So since I made the deal with him, I figured, well, I gotta go back to church. I gotta put in my one hour. He that endureth to the end. 12 o'clock, I'll be out of there. Just put up with it. Come late, leave early. None of you are like that but I gotta go back to church. But this time, somebody invited me to a Pentecostal church. And when I walked in there, man, it was something else. I mean, these people were crazy. I thought I was at a Packer game. <laughs> Woo! And they're not, they're not meditating, they're praying out loud. Have we stopped praying out loud? Have we said let's pray and, and expected that the pastor or the person that mentioned that should do all the praying? Or are we still able to lift up our voice and pray ourselves 
and agree together and come in one. Listen, when somebody said, let's pray, that means let's pray. Not I pray and you listen. I wasn't used to that. They had liberty that I didn't have. My hands were at my side, theirs were in the air. Their voices were being lifted, I was being silent. Because that's what you do when you go to church. Just sit there, be quiet, act like you're listening. But I got more than I expected. And I, I felt the presence of God. That's what'll change your life. Someone, not something. If you enter into his presence, I remember my brother, I'll never forget it. The first time he came into the presence of God, he started crying like a baby, sobbing and boo-hooing and, and he was really out of control. I mean, it, it actually was a distraction. And a couple of the ushers felt, well, maybe we need to take this guy to the back. I mean, he was louder than everybody else. My quiet brother. So they begin to take him to the back and he says, whoa, wait a minute. If I need to go to the back, okay, but don't take me out of the presence of God. Don't take me out of the presence of God because in his presence, there's fullness. There's that filling again. There's fullness of what? Joy. You know what's greater than happiness? Joy. Happiness can come and go, but joy. Oh, that's something that hangs on. Joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't have to drink. I don't have to smoke. I don't have to do drugs. I choose not to because I've got something in me. I don't have to take something and put it on me or put it in me. It's already in me. And so we started coming to church and enjoying it. And you know what it was all about? It was that I didn't find a religion, I found a relationship. I found that God could touch me, that God could speak to me, that God could provide for me. I was happy for all those other folks, but that's not enough. I want my own. I want my own relationship with God. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I, I remember you were preaching on this Sunday and God spoke. I said, I wasn't talking about that. Well, that's what God was talking to me about. Do you know a lot of preachers will tell you, you know what, Brother Kylie preached a message last Sunday and I got three messages that I'm gonna preach from it. How's that work? God speaks to us as individuals. He opens up our understanding to the scriptures. He reveals things to us that might not even be on the subject that the preacher's preaching about, but it's God that's talking to you. It's God that's sharing with you his thoughts. That's the way God works. But you can't have that in a religion. You can only have that in a relationship. My mother, I remember my mother speaking of my brother. My mother said, you know, I, I don't know if I want to go to that Pentecostal church. It's kind of loud. I'm kind of a quiet person. So she decided, and she received the Holy Ghost too, even after she received the Holy Ghost. 
And she decided she was going to go to this Baptist church. So she goes to this Baptist church instead of Parkway on that particular Sunday. And they're having their singing part, their worship part. And she begins to worship God. She lifts her hands in a Baptist church. And she's really singing. And the presence of God hits her. And she begins speaking in other tongues in the Baptist church. They ushered her out and told her to never come back again. I guess you were in the wrong place, lady. Maybe that's God's way of letting you know. You need to stay where you are. You need to stay in the truth. You need to remain full. You need to be where the spirit of the Lord is because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen? Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is what the Holy Ghost provides. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And when I read that, the Lord spoke to me and said, watch the order that I had it written in. Righteousness comes before peace and peace comes before joy. See, we first have to have righteousness. If our righteousness is eroded, the enemy can steal our peace and our joy. Now I'm playing with words, you just gotta put up with me because that's the way God made me, I guess. Right us. That's the first thing I think of when I think of righteousness. Lord, right us. Right the ship. Turn it in the right direction. Make us right with you. Because if we're not right with you, then the enemy can come in and make us feel guilty. Shame us. Overwhelm us with guilt. But if I'm right with God, if I'm under the blood, if I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, if I'll go to people that have offended me or that I have offended and make things right, I can keep righteousness. I can look anybody in the eye and say, hey, I love you. Things are right with him and things are right with us. And my righteousness allows a peace which passes all understanding. And a joy that's greater than the world can give us even in a temporary form. But if we have an erosion of righteousness, we will lose our peace and our joy. So if you don't have any peace and joy, go back to righteousness. Lord, I'm here to repent. And I'm here to make things right with you and anybody else that it's not right with. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, since y'all all said amen, now nobody will feel guilty. Let me talk to you finally about Legion. This is where I'll stop today. Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. Let me share this with you. 
Before Jesus and the disciples, if you go back to the end of four, Mark four, Jesus will say, let us go over to the other side. We're going to the other side of this sea. He leaves the multitude. Read chapter four. He's preaching to multitudes and all of a sudden he says, we're gonna cross this sea. When they go to the other side, they're probably anticipating that there's gonna be a multitude over there, but there's not. There's just one guy. And they have to go through a storm in which they think that they're going to drown. Lord, don't you care that we're gonna perish? And instead of staying with the multitude in the crowd, he puts them through a storm to minister to one man. That's how valuable, listen to me visitors today, you gotta get this. Jesus loves you. And whatever he has to go through and whatever he puts us through to get to you, he will do it even though you're not a multitude and you're only one person because your soul is worth more to God than the whole world. That's how important you are. And so he takes these disciples through a storm. They get to the other side, just like he said. And let me share this with the saints. If you're going through a storm and the Lord said, you're gonna get to the other side, you're gonna get to the other side. Don't give up in the storm. There's a purpose for going through the storm and it's to find someone that needs Jesus. So verse one says, they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadareans. And when Jesus came out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not even with chains. You see, people were trying everything they could to restrict this man, but they were unsuccessful because that often they had bound him with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. There it is, there's the challenge. No man. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Listen, when Satan has a hold of your life, He'll put you in the darkest place he can find. Graveyards. We just went through Halloween. Things to cause you to be afraid. He puts this man in a graveyard. He causes him, he's got control of his life. This is what Satan does to people's lives. He's crying. He's strong, but he's crying all the time. And he's cutting himself with stones. This is the first cutter that we find in the scripture. Those of you that know what I'm talking about, enough said. Because that's what Satan always wants to do, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's out to destroy you, you better understand that. And he'll use all of these pleasures of sin and all of these temptations, and then he'll try and get you to even destroy yourself and even kill yourself. That's what he does. 
This man is hopeless. There is nothing that has been able to help him. But if we find here in verse 15 that when he came to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil, that he had legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. A conversion took place that day. A man that had been possessed by 2,000 devils was delivered. You say, well, how do you know there were 2,000 devils? Well, there were 2,000 pigs. And the pigs, the spirits asked if they could go into the pigs and 2,000 were drowned in the sea. Do you know that not even 2,000 devils cannot destroy even one person? Not even one person. Man, Satan is after me. He's all over me. I'm having a really bad day. I'm really discouraged. Do you think you got 2,000 devils working on you? No, but there's a few. Listen, 2,000 couldn't kill Legion. It can't kill you. you he, he only has the power that you give him. Don't give him. Don't give him any place. Don't give him any place. But when Jesus is done with what a comparison between what Satan does to a person's life versus what Jesus does. Sitting, dressed, and in his right mind. Wow. Aren't you glad for what Jesus has done in your life? Aren't you glad for righteousness, peace, and joy? And watch this, and when he was come into the ship, he that had possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Would you rather be with the Lord? But this is what Jesus says to us. I'm sorry, but I want you to go home to your friends and I want you to tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. So he departed and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all the men did marvel. Again, he's no theologian. He's not gonna debate the scriptures. He's just gonna tell you that he had 2,000 demons and one Jesus. One Jesus took care of 2,000 demons. And now here I am. My chains are gone. They've tried to chain me. They've tried to cut me. They've cut me off from society. They won't let me live where they live. I've been confined to a graveyard. But one day, Jesus took his disciples, crossed the sea, came to him and gave him deliverance. And I've told you today that there may be things that Satan has tempted you with that you might even be addicted to today. Addictions are chains. But today, Jesus wants to liberate everybody in the house. 
He wants you to know you're not, you shouldn't be looking for a something, but he is the someone that you're looking for. And he can liberate you and fill you with his spirit and cause you to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let's stand together. We don't need any more things. We need the someone. But you know, when Jesus got to the other side of the sea, I'm gonna invite you to this altar today. When Jesus got to the other side of the sea and he came to where the Gadarean was, the Gadarean came to him. And part of him said, what have I to do with you, Jesus? But the other part of him said that he came to worship. He came to worship Jesus. Winning the lottery is not gonna satisfy your soul. Being the president of a corporation, a big shot, not gonna satisfy your soul. But if you find this someone, when you seek me with all your heart, the Bible says, then will you find me. And the chains will begin to fall off. And the hands that you couldn't lift will rise in the air. And the voice that used to curse God will begin to praise God because the Lord will set you free. And he who the Son sets free, let's clap our hands to the Lord for what he's done in our lives. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.